This is the Humerian Health Podcast. Spilling our guts for the well-being of yours. Here we are at the Humerian Health Podcast again with myself, Amy Baker, and Dr. Benzinger. We're giggling because it's been a little while since we've recorded, so <laughs> we feel a little out of practice. Um, but It's easy. We're just talking. I know. We're just talking. It's and obvious. actually, we're talking about a great topic today. We're um, going to be having uh, Amy Medling on our podcast today, and she's going to be sharing with us um, healing polycystic ovary syndrome, which we know uh, a lot of our yeah, listeners yeah. Um, have either dealt with that personally or know people who have dealt and, with that. Been in many years, uh, n- not knowing what it was and misdiagnosing over and over and not knowing how to handle these cases. So yeah. uh, I've seen that over 37 years of practice. It You're is, that old? Uh, <laughs> I started when I was three. Right. I was just a very smart boy. Yeah, Anyhow, right. uh, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, well, welcome, Amy, to the program. Oh, thank you. I'm, I'm thrilled to be here. Well, it's nice to have you with us. And um, just kind of give us a little bit of background of what you've experienced that would have brought you to a point to write a book like this and put together a detailed plan, which tells me somebody really has an understanding of the condition and that they have went through trying to figure out what to do and they couldn't find one, so they had to do it themselves. How far off am I? Oh my gosh, you hit it! Hit the nail on the head. See, for sure. I didn't even ask. <laughs> Look at that. that! Great. Yeah. Okay, but but I'm telling you that whenever I see that title, I'm thinking, oh man, she she knows this stuff. She has experienced it. She has talked to everybody, and uh, so let's let's just talk about PCOS and your experience and go from there. Sure. So. I often hear from women with PCOS who are frustrated and they've lost all hope because the only advice that their doctors are able to offer is to lose some weight, go on a low-carb diet, take the birth control pill, maybe the, the diabetic drug metformin, and you know, do the best that you can living with your symptoms. And for much of my young adult life and into my early 30s, I was one of these women. And as early as age 14 or 15, I really began wrestling with a lot of the common PCOS symptoms like hair loss and hair growth or hersetism and weight gain, um, irregular menstrual cycles, moodiness, depression, um, hypoglycemia and blood sugar issues. I mean, the, the, the list kind of goes on and on. And I was told when I was about 18 by the, the doctor at my college clinic uh, that they would have to jump through hoops one day to get me pregnant. Um, they, renew- they renewed my birth control <laughs> prescription and sort of sent me on my way. It actually wasn't until I was 31 that I actually got a PCOS diagnosis. Wow. wow. And was that, I know that's plenty of years, so you probably had to push for it. But, but can I go back to around 14 to 18 <laughs> years old? So those years that you started, now you know you were having those symptoms. What was your parents doing with that? What kind of uh, input or support were you getting there or not getting because the doctors couldn't find anything? Yeah, that's a great question. So 
PCOS definitely for for many women have a a genetic component. And I think that that may be one reason why uh, between 50 to 70% of women are undiagnosed because they sort of chalk it up to, you know, that's how things were for my mom and that's how it was for my grandmothers or aunts. And from my mother has PCOS uh, and she just thought, well, and she didn't realize it either. Um, but she thought, well, things are just going to be similar um, in terms of, you know, female issues for my daughters as I had. And that's just the way it is. Um, but my mom was great. You know, I, I really struggled with a lot of hypoglycemia to the mm-hmm. point that I um, passed out a couple times in school, I think, because my blood sugar got so low um, after a high-carbohydrate meal. But um, it got to the point where doctors um, actually told my mother that they thought it was all in my head. And I hear that from a lot of women with PCOS, that they're sort of gaslighted by their doctors and um, are are kind of told that, that these symptoms are... Um, you know, in their head. And that's certainly what happened to me. And they also, I remember going in for a scalp biopsy (laughs) because of the hair loss. um, And they sort of chalked it up to the stress of, you know, trying to get into college and senior year um, when, you know, I'm sure my androgens were, were, you know, pretty high at that point and were kind of driving um, you know, the hair growth and the hair loss. And of course I was so embarrassed about the hair growth. I didn't tell anybody about it. Mm-hmm. Um, sure. just was yeah. plucking the hairs on my chin. So, yeah. um, well, Amy, yeah. I'm, I'm still plucking the hairs on my chin, too, so. <laughs> but it's a little different, but, um, but I was gonna say I do too, but not because of that. that yeah, yeah, right, yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, but let's, let's that's back rough. up a little bit. You said mm-hmm. by 31, that's when you finally got a diagnosis. Well, you and I both know you went through a hell and back trying to find somebody or something uh, and started reading yourself to get there. I am confident of that. But can you kind of walk through how you finally got a diagnosis? Because the one thing I've learned is if they don't have a drug that's for PCOS, all of a sudden it's just kind of a whatever. And as soon as they'd come out with it, it's like restless leg syndrome. I love it. Okay, your legs jump, you must have restless leg syndrome. So we've been, And it just becomes popular because there's a new drug, right? There's no PCOS, just drug for that can't just fix it and they've never found one so thus it didn't become highlighted think of what you just said 50 to 70 percent of our listeners uh that are female probably are undiagnosed that have the condition and that's serious so if i could uh would you allow amy and i to hear your uh process of getting there from uh, from those uh college years Two thirty-one. Sure, and I just I do want to mention that um, experts are saying as many as one in five women have PCOS as defined by the Rotterdam criteria, which I'll I'll mention to you because that was part of my diagnosis. So okay, so I was able to get pregnant um, for the first time with a a couple rounds of an ovulation inducer called Clomid, Um, and you know I had a healthy baby boy and everything was great. Um, And when I was trying to get pregnant for the second time, I suffered uh, some some real secondary infertility. And I finally, you know, after all of these years, was uh, referred to a reproductive endocrinologist who, uh, you know, looked at my labs and looked at my history and said, has anybody, you know, told you that you may have PCOS? 
And um, it's interesting because I had been charting my cycles prior to seeing the reproductive endocrinologist and the um, the nurse practitioner that was teaching this method of um, of fertility awareness. It was called the Crichton model of fertility awareness. Um, also thought, you know, looking at my cycles that I was having um, cycles where I wasn't ovulating and also suggested PCOS. Hmm. So both of these sort of, um, you know, thoughts hit from these two medical professionals had come together and I went in and had lab work. I had my androgens or male hormones tested. Um, and then with my history of irregular and, um, and ovulatory cycles combined with um, an ultrasound that showed, indeed, I had the polycystic ovaries. They kind of look like on an ultrasound, a string of pearls, all of these underdeveloped mm-hmm. follicles. Um, if you show two out of those three criteria that I mentioned, the elevated androgens, the irregular cycles, the polycystic ovaries, then you are given a PCOS diagnosis according to the diagnostic criteria that was established um, in 2003 by the, the Rotterdam European Society for Human Reproduction and the American Society for Reproductive Medicine. Mm-hmm. So that's how I was able to get a PCOS diagnosis. Okay, so let's look at those two things. Irregular periods, very common, often gals at 16 years old are then mm-hmm. put on the pill for irregular uh, that oh you you have irregular periods let's just put you on the pill no thought to anything else and often testosterone uh, and those type of androgens are not tested on females because like oh why would you ever do that on a 16 year old or 18 year old or 25 year old so um, I wonder if half the reason it's overlooked is we just don't do the complete test yeah and and I do think that um it, it, it seems that a lot of young girls are being put on the pill and oh what gosh, I'm it's terrible. Uh, it's it really terrible. is. And I think what I'm finding in the work that I do, um, and there's a, a, a doctor from, she's a naturopath doctor from Australia that really wrote a wonderful book called the period repair manual. And she's sort of identified this post pill form of PCOS, which, you know, P, the, the pill sort of acts like a bandaid. It, it, um, regulates those androgens a bit and you know you're getting this pill bleed which makes you feel like well I'm getting a period every month but it's really just a pill bleed mm-hmm. but then women around the time that they want to have a child they come off of the pill and now these PCOS symptoms that have been sort of at bay mm-hmm. with the pill come back um, and you know, women start having the hair loss and um, the mood disorders and you know all, a lot of the, the symptoms that I had mentioned earlier. So I do think that there are a lot of women that are on the pill and have no idea they have PCOS until they come off of it. Interesting. Yeah, that does make a lot of sense. Right. So just those two can drive a diagnosis. So that's important. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and knowing maybe who to ask to go for in terms yeah. of a specialist if your general practitioner isn't on board, um, getting a referral might be a helpful thing. So, yeah. I mean, obviously your your life experience led you to creating a 21-day plan for reclaiming your health and healing polycystic ovary syndrome. So I'm really curious to kind of dive into kind of what that plan is and maybe just kind of talk to us about what the first – maybe even just the first step is. So, you know, these women – who have maybe have their diagnosis, but they're not getting much help from the traditional medical arena in terms of how to, you know, live with it. Um, love your insight on that. 
Well, I really believe that the first step begins with changing your mindset around um, your body and um, PCOS. And in my book, I, I call the chapter Think Like a PCOS Diva. Um, <laughs> nice. <laughs> and so if you think about, you know, a woman who's dealing with um, difficulty losing weight, infertility, hair loss, hair growth, it sort of robs you of your sense of femininity. Mm -hmm. And I think at the very core, women are kind of rocked and we feel like we're not enough or we're, you know, not deserving um, to really take care of ourselves. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of women are also looking for the magic pill. Um, you know, they're looking for that, that, that magic something that's going to take all of these symptoms away and make it better. And as you men mentioned, doctor, there really is no magic pill for PCOS. So I really want to encourage women to shift that idea to realize that they are the magic pill and the lifestyle choices that they make, you know, every day, slowly over time, um, can really accumulate to a healing process in this continuum of healing and, and really bring their body back into balance. So working with their bodies and partnering with their bodies and realizing that they have everything, you know, they need kind of within themselves to, to start feeling better. So that's the first step. That's okay. great. Yeah. That yeah. message of empowerment, I think is so important, not just for women who have PCOS, but I mean, struggling really probably with any chronic medical condition kind of robs you of some of your kind of humanity or your mm -hmm. kind of personality mm -hmm. and understanding that you have the power within yourself by lifestyle changes and things to make a positive impact is, is, is a very powerful message. Absolutely. I, yeah. I have one question. Do you feel that when women are in their 30s, 40s, even 20s, do you feel that many, uh, many are being put on antidepressants and anti-anxieties because of the symptoms, their quality of life issues? And muting it further. Did you see any pattern of that with women oh, that my have gosh. to? Okay, all right. I thought <laughs> yes. so. I just because I'm sitting here thinking of um, of even people that I've seen over years, and I'm thinking I have missed some of the. I've missed. I, mean, I, I I don't know how many I've missed. I'm sure too many, but and I'm aware of it. And I look for it, and I this is the process I use. So this is great information, but. I'm wondering if I'm missing it on those that are being treated for that because that's what they were told they have. And I went down that rabbit hole trying to support those parts of their body. I'm just wondering. Mm -hmm. Yeah, actually, there's a statistic. 60% um, of women with PCOS have um, some form of depression or anxiety. Makes sense. So it's, so yeah. They, that's what they could treat. So that's what they get yeah. treated. Like you said, metformin, birth control. And now let's give your anti-anxiety and anti-depression, dumb you down enough so you don't feel anything. Thus, you can tolerate life. Yeah. And I mean, I think that the pill has been shown to cause um, depression oh, yeah. um, and, and mood disorders sure. for women. So, you know, I think that that's driving a lot of it. And uh, in my book, I, I talk about inflammation being sort of one of the, the primary kind of root causes of the symptoms of PCOS. And, you know, when you're inflamed and your brain and your gut are inflamed, um, it, it's going to cause mood issues. I know um, even myself now, I, I know that gluten is very inflammatory for me and it, it causes a 
you know, irritability and depressed mood. And I know this, this sounds a little funny, but, you know, if I'm in a, a kind of a cranky mood, my husband sometimes will ask me, gosh, what did you eat today? Because <laughs> it, it's back. Usually I can trace it back to something that I've eaten that has caused inflammation. Yeah. Now, Amy, you do know most would say, well, come here, dear. And then belt them right in the stomach. That's, That's right. Yeah. I probably would. No. <laughs> no, but I, yeah, I think it's interesting, right? Because the whole... Um, Inflammation in the body is uh, is really important relative to a lot of chronic disorders too, right? Um, and so we've heard a lot more about that, you know, in gluten free diet and things mm-hmm. like that. Um, and I can also attest to know because I do gluten free as well um, for a variety of reasons. But knowing that, like, okay, that one time I'm gonna, just, I really just want a pizza <laughs> and I eat pizza, and then yeah, and then bad things happen. Boom. It's like right, that's why we don't do this. <laughs> <laughs> to our bodies on a regular basis. But um, yeah, so I think the food part is definitely super important and for people to understand and listen to their body too, right? I mean, I have friends yes. that they've tried gluten-free and it that wasn't a, that wasn't actually too much of an issue for them. So right. having gluten was fine for them or having dairy was mm-hmm. fine for them. But then I have other friends, you know, where th- those foods are very problematic. So I mean, it really does, it's what you were saying earlier about it's not, there's not a magic pill. There's not a like one hit wonder, you know, just do this thing and you'll be fixed. It's like, no, I need to live intentionally and listen to my body um, and then respond to what I, what I think is happening and then listen again and make sure that, you know, that's, that's really what's happening. And, you know, then building kind of on that plan for overall health, which I think, you know, a lot of us are not, um, maybe patient enough <laughs> or slow down enough uh, uh, to, you know, myself included, I totally put myself <laughs> in that category, you know, to really, to really stop yep, and listen. She's in that yeah, category. I'm, I'm here to. I'm <laughs> so in that category. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. So one of the other things I know that you talk about is moving every day. Um, so food, obviously super important, but um, moving every day is kind of a different perspective. It sounds to me like on exercise, mm-hmm. um, you know, which some of us are maybe more hard driving, like got to get my run in, got to get my, you know, whatever in. So I'm curious kind of if you could share with our listeners a little bit about what your perspective is on just moving every day and how that relates to helping the symptoms of PCOS. Sure. Yeah. So when I was really struggling, I was caught up in sort of this paradigm. I I call it um, diet deprivation and denial. And, And it really carried over to the way that I was moving my body and exercising. You know, I, I would, really punish myself on the treadmill, which there's, there's, I don't know about you, but I I don't think that there's any joy in running inside (laughs) on a treadmill. (laughs) Yeah. Um, and you know, I would try to burn out the calories that I ate during the day and it, it became this form of punishment. And so I, when I, I remember, and I write about this in the book, I got to a point where I was running so much um, that I ended up with, um, shin splints and like mm-hmm. stress fractures. And wow. I had to, I had to start walking and mm-hmm. I couldn't run anymore and walking outdoors, um, in nature, mm-hmm. uh, and it was really nourishing on so many different levels. And I was so amazed that after all of these years of running and the weight not coming off, once I started walking and really um, feeling sort of that joy of movement, the weight miraculously came off. And, wow. um, and over time, you know, I realized that that exercise um, that stresses my body out and causes um, adrenal issues right. really is not 
um, helpful for my PCOS. It's causing more inflammation. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's raising my cortisol, um, which it inc- help increases the insulin resistance, which is a core um, issue of PCOS. It lowers thyroid hormone um, and lowers progesterone. So you know you don't you want to kind of keep your cortisol managed as mm-hmm. well. So uh, so I really um, invite women who follow PCOS Diva to get in touch with the the way that they like to move as a child, whether it was dancing or, you know, maybe playing a sport um, or bike riding and kind of get back to that and reconnect with that joy of movement, because I just think it it's going to make it um, more sustainable in your life. And it, if, you know, if you like doing it, you're going to do more of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I just um, started taking Tai Chi classes and that it's one of the things they talk about is like you pay attention to the way that your body moves, right? And where your weight is. And then it's very slow, which I had somebody say, so how did you like it? And I'm like, it's very slow. It's not really, it's not really how I like to move. If I would have known, I would have had a video (laughs) camera there just to watch your face while they were forcing you through slow. And like, and breathing and whatever. But in the end, like... I felt like I had I actually had a good workout. Right. Like I felt relaxed and like knew my body better after just whatever, 40 minutes in terms of paying attention to, you know, where the weight was and, you know, how my hand was and whatever. And so, yeah, I, I love the idea of how did you move or play as a child yeah. and try to get back Makes to sense. kind of that, those things that bring you joy. Cause I think, yeah, a lot of us are kind of in that trap of I've got extra weight, so I want to lose it. So I'm tracking my calories and I need to exercise more than what I'm taking in. And so, yeah, I'm going to pound it out on the treadmill or, right. you know, whatever. And and not that you you can't be a person who loves to run on the treadmill or loves to run in general. That That's not me. I don't love to run. I never have. But, you know, I mean, people who love CrossFit, which is super aggressive, but like they love it. My mm-hmm. husband is one of those mm-hmm. people. He loves the movement of it. He loves the weight lifting part of it. I mean, you know, so you could say, well, that's crazy. Slow down a little bit. But for him, like, that's the thing that brings him joy. Right. So again, it's, I mean, I, I feel like we keep coming back to that, like, in like living an intentional life and paying attention mm-hmm. to like what, what your body is, is good for your body and everybody's different. Mm-hmm. So to say like, well, you should just start walking and everybody should start walking. Well, we, we probably all should walk some, mm-hmm. <laughs> but you know, maybe, mm-hmm. you know, maybe for somebody that I like that organized sports or going to a class or having, you know, some accountability and community to show up with people that you enjoy being with. And so if Zumba's your thing or whatever, right? Like just kind of find that thing and don't be afraid to experiment too, right? Like so somebody's like, so you, for me, are you going to stick with Tai Chi? I'm like, I don't know yet. Um, it's not something that I kind of really enjoyed the first time out, but I could see the benefit of it. And, you know, seven more classes, I may be totally in love with it and love the movement of it you know, and the community of it. I can't wait for that. I know, right? <laughs> but yeah, so I mean, I love I love that that recommendation. So, so Amy, what do you think? Uh, 21 days. You pick 21 days. Mm-hmm. So why 21 days? Is that just the old, that's what breaks a habit? Oh, yeah, good question. Yeah, you, so for, for a long time, I've been running a seven-day jumpstart program um, through through my website, PCOS Diva. Com. And I do think that women can absolutely feel better um, and, and shift the way that their their body, the, the inflammation and the insulin resistance, like in, in seven days, I've seen it happen. But I wanted to create some like a plan that could be really sustainable for women. And I think you have to kind of get into the flow 
and the habit. And yeah, I mean, I think 21 days is, is a good amount of time to sort of create some new healthy habits in your life. Okay. That makes sense. And, and the formula and, and the studies have supported that. So it makes all sense yeah. mm-hmm. in the world. Now, um, we, we were not wanting to give away all the steps so they all have the to secrets. buy your book. And, and the reason why is because I, I like people to get these things in their hands so they can replay it if they get it on audio or if they get it in a book form or a Kindle. Um, where do they get this book? So the book is really available anywhere books are sold. Um, it's, you know, in Barnes & Noble and Amazon and it's on Audible, um, Kindle. Cool. So. Okay. Yeah, you can find it lots of places. Awesome. Okay, excellent. I, and and let me tell you, I I saw in this book that you have experienced so much of it because you wrote it so personally, and I, that really came through. Yeah, and and there's so much hope. I hope that came through as well. That yeah. you know, going from a place where. Uh, I was sick and tired of feeling sick and tired and feeling way too young to feel so old. Um, and that was, you know, in my early thirties and now, um, this year I'm going to be 47 and I feel so much, um, more vibrant and, um, I'm really thriving with PCOS and there's, there's so much hope for other women who are suffering to feel the same way. So you may have just answered the question that I was going to ask, but I'm going to ask it anyway, just in case, which is, um, if you could let the world know just one thing about PCOS, what would that be? Well, for, for me, it was really a wake up call to bring my my life um, and my body back into balance. Um, and, and as I said, yes, I mean, that was how I would end it is that there's just so much hope. And I think a lot of women are told that they'll, um, you know, never get pregnant if they have PCOS or like I was told um, they would have to jump through hoops to get me pregnant. Well, I, I think that for most women, um, you know, with, with the right type of lifestyle change and medical intervention, you know, there, there is a lot of hope to have a healthy, um, pregnancy with PCOS. So I, would love, I, I really want that message to get out there. I think That's great. that sounds really good. Yeah. So healing PCOS, a 21 day plan for reclaiming your, your health and life with polycystic ovary syndrome. Mm-hmm. Go get Medley. the book. Yeah. It's a wonderful <laughs> right book. Now. And, and, and think about it. If 20% of the population is potentially dealing with this then your likelihood, if you've had any of the, even the top uh, symptoms, irregular uh, periods, increased androgens, which you need to get checked, uh, hair loss, and look at blood sugar, low blood sugar, and blood sugar maintenance problems, and maybe weight-related problems. Um, you tie those together. It just makes sense to get the testing done. And I, I'm just going to say it this way. Sometimes, folks, you're just going to have to say, say, Doc, just, um, you know, just kind of honor me. Just, just run the test. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. But if we're looking at 20% of the population, and that's even close to being right, there's a lot of people that are listening today that will be getting tests and follow through with this. And, I, and that's because of you, Amy, bringing this book to us, and we really appreciate it. Oh, thanks. And, and just one more thing. Um, it is really important to advocate for yourself because mm-hmm. women with PCOS are at much increased risk of type 2 diabetes. In fact, 50% of women with PCOS get type 2 diabetes by the time they're 40, That's which is a very scary number. So and you're at, 
elevated risk of cardiovascular disease and three times the risk of endometrial cancer. So it's important that, you know, if you're suffering with any of the symptoms that that we mentioned, that you advocate for yourself and get the diagnosis Mm -hmm. and start making, you know, the lifestyle changes you need in order to um, you know, alleviate that risk for yourself. Yeah. And that may, might be your mom advocating for the daughter that she sees some mm-hmm. of these tendencies. Yes. So let's keep that in mind. It might be the grandmother that mm-hmm. sees it in her daughter or grandchild that they listen to this program and because of you and got the book and realizes it to start chasing this down. But she'll at least be able to chase it down with facts, good statistics, and great information because you backed yourself up with the right type of information based upon the research that we do have available. And I think that's going to help your case a lot. Very good. Well, thank you for joining us today, Amy. We really appreciated your time. And this is a super important yeah, topic. It was, it was We're excited good. to get it out to our listeners and appreciate it. Um, just provide this education. And hopefully hopefully people will get on, on Amazon or wherever mm-hmm. they go and, and get your book and learn more. Oh, it was my pleasure. Thanks for the opportunity. Okay, Amy, have a great day. You too. Bye-bye. Bye. Amy Baker, Dr. Sean Benzinger. Humarian Health Podcast. Spilling our guts. For the well-being of yours. That's right. Thanks for having the guts to listen to the Humarian Health Podcast. Make sure you follow us on social media. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Humarian Health. If you have things you'd like to gut check, send us an email at gutcheck at humarian.com. 